This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. You are now entering a critical thinking zone. So thinking caps are required beyond this point. From deep behind enemy lines, deep in the heart of the Midwest, it's your host, Andrew Coppins. And it's time for Critical Thinking. It is indeed time for Critical Thinking. Welcome back into the show. Hope you all had a good, great, grand, wonderful weekend. As you got the Pat Only Show, you can find me at The Coppins Show. It is indeed time for Critical Thinking, especially at the Kenosha County Courthouse. Yes, the jury is uh, scheduled shortly after we are going to publication, uh, or shortly before we go to publication on this episode, to begin deliberations in the Kyle Rittenhouse trial. Now, yesterday, count six of six charges uh, was dismissed. And do you know why, Pat? Um, From... Well, talking to you and also just reading about it, uh, wasn't it uh, dismissed due to a technicality? Correct. And, of course, we are referring to the illegal gun possession charge. Um, now, there is a meme going around about something, and I'm going to show you exactly why that meme um, encapsulates the insanity of this entire trial just by this charge alone. Because we, if you were somebody who's been around guns, owns a gun, understands guns in any way, shape, or form, you would know, Pat, that an AR-15 is not a short-barreled rifle, correct? It is a long-barreled rifle. It is a gun that I wouldn't choose to use for hunting, but you could. Right, I would choose maybe a twenty-two or, you know, something else. It also depends on what you're hunting, but yes, right. Because why? It's not exactly the most powerful of 
long-barreled rifles. And when you're shooting an animal, right, for hunting purposes, you would want a clean shot. And sometimes the AR-15 doesn't provide you that. Now, Wisconsin statute on illegal possession of a firearm means that you are carrying either illegally a handgun or a short-barreled rifle. Why does this matter? Because long-barreled rifles are 100% legal to carry. You can openly carry a long-barreled rifle in the state of Wisconsin. Any time, at any age, period, amen. There is no question about any of that. Why was this even a charge? Anybody with half a brain about the statute would have known that. And what I think is hilariously important here is that bringing the gun into evidence is what got this charge dismissed. They would have never brought that weapon into the courtroom. I don't know that that charge gets dismissed. Oh, yeah, yeah, Pat. <sighs> the more I the more I hear about this trial, the more I think this trial should have never happened ever. Like the more, and the more I the more I the, the evidence comes out, the more I think Kyle acted in self-defense and wasn't out there for the purpose of hurting or killing anyone. Um Yeah, the the Let's just put it this way. The the meme that's out there, Pat, is uh-huh. of the assistant DA, John Dinger, right? Holding the AR-15 like you would if you were going to shoot it. Yes. But also with his finger on the trigger. Yeah. Uh, Pointing it where? At the jury. At the jury. Um, mm-hmm. So so I have a question on that. Isn't that reckless use of a firearm? <laughs> Now, his excuse will be, well, it was checked to make sure that it was safe. Doesn't matter. I don't care. I, I, I do, do you not even care. Alec Baldwin. Rule number one. Yeah. Do what? you even Alec Baldwin? Rule number one of gun safety is assume it is loaded. Always assume it's loaded. Hmm? Never, I don't care if it's loaded or not. You never pointed at anybody. Unless you're willing to shoot. Correct. Now, to be fair, as I watched that meme unfold, it is also very clear that the uh, defense attorney, the lead defense attorney, has no clue about guns either. Why? Watch how he held that gun. If you watch when he got it. Now, he was holding it partially to point out something um, and to point out an inaccuracy in, in the theory that the prosecution has been using as to how he would have shot, um, how Rittenhouse would have shot the uh, Rosenbaum, the, the first person he shot and killed. And it's that he was holding it in his left hand. Now, and shooting with it out of his left hand. Now, in order for that to have happened, he would have had to have been holding it underneath his arm 
in his left arm. In in the AR-15, the outside of the gun, right, the right side of the outside of the gun is where the shell casings and where the shells load and where they discharge from. Okay, so the casing will discharge once you pull the trigger from that area, right? Now, if you're holding it left-handed, Pat, does that go to or away from your body? I need to think about this for a minute because I don't, I don't hold a gun with my left hand. So, wouldn't that be two? My body, right? You know where yeah. that that shell casing, casing or casings would have gone, right into the face of Kyle Rittenhouse. <laughs> um, that would be the dumbest thing anybody shooting a gun could possibly do outside of what Alec Baldwin did. It it it, it doesn't make any sense, right? Where where are the burn marks? Where are the lacerations to his face or to his body for? Um, that spent shell casing or casings didn't exist. But he goes to hold it, and he's holding it down, right? Which is fine, except for he's holding it down while trying to open the, um, <laughs> open the area where the the casings are. Right? He's trying to cock the the barrel, and it's like, what? What the? He's doing it with both hands and the gun's moving around. And it's like, what are you doing? <laughs> you don't need to do that. You could just show him where that part is and then sh- demonstrate where that would have come out, right? You don't have to do that. That's why if you are left-handed and you're shooting that gun, you're actually, th- there's no such thing as a left or a right-handed gun. If you're right. shooting that left-handed you absolutely would take that part of the gun and turn it around, meaning you would actually modify the gun to position that gun the opposite direction in terms of the that part of it. And, and, and I'm not totally into guns, but I know enough to know that if you're left-handed, you have to modify a shotgun of that variety or get a left-handed version of it they do exist there's no such thing as a left or right-handed gun yes there are why because for some people for instance the safety of a gun the actual safety you know before you have to pull the trigger is either right or left-handed and you can switch it it's dumb Absolutely dumb. This whole case is dumb. And furthermore, Pat, I don't know if you, well, I had the the privilege of watching most of this, uh, most of these closing arguments yesterday because I, you know, again, this was home for me for four years. I'm, I'm very interested. But the national media is not interested in the truth. Uh, I mean, it, it was amazing to watch this, this homogenous community in Kenosha. Kenosha is one of the most diverse populations in the state of Wisconsin. It is 11.5% black. That's almost the national average of the population 
of African Americans in this country. It is literally as close to a snapshot of what it's like to live in America as you could get. If you took the demographics of this country and then you overlay them over Kenosha, Wisconsin, it would look very similar to what most of America looks like. Unbelievable. But for this case to have any merit, right? Now the prosecution at closing arguments has now made a separate argument than what they were trying to make at the beginning of the case. Now it's, he shouldn't have been there. Um, if you bring a gun to a knife fight, you're not supposed to use the gun. You better only use your fists. Or if there's only fists involved for the other person, you can't choose which way you defend yourself. Did you know that, Pat? If you bring a gun, you forfeit the right to use that gun to defend. Wait, what? This is insane. Yeah, that's not true. And I, I don't. Did you watch where the judge laid out like the what each count means and how they are supposed to discuss that amongst the jury? Yes, which I appreciated. Um, I think he's been a very good judge. Now, quirky, yes, but I think this is a great example of how few Americans interact with the court system, I think, because this is how most courts work. This is how it's supposed to go. This isn't law and order. This isn't, you know, what pick your courtroom drama. This is real life. Judges are right. quirky. Judges have idiosyncrasies. They're not robots. And they don't know everything about everything all the time. And so, yes, sometimes they're going to look up what that statute says and make a determination based off of the information available. Then They're not know-it-alls. I, and you're right. Like, like, But I, I appreciated him going through the... Um, all of the the statutes of each individual count and like how you're supposed to deliberate those amongst the jury mm-hmm. and, and how you're supposed to technically like weigh them and look at them to decide whether or not he is guilty of each count or not. Um, and, and just kind of like really laid out those definitions um, because if you were just to rely on the prosecution and the defending arguments, Holy crap. I don't know which way this is going to go. I still, and here's the thing. I still don't know which way this thing is going to go now with today, 20 years ago, I'd say that this guy's going to be acquitted of all charges, but today I I honestly don't know what they're going to decide because here's, here's the thing that, that I think a lot of people aren't considering is that, Hey, you know, the evidence probably says he's probably not guilty of these counts, right? But for the jury, you got to think that there's going to be at least one person on that jury that's going to sit there and think, if I don't vote guilty, what happens next? Does Kenosha burn to the ground? Am, am I in trouble and is my family in trouble if I don't do a guilty verdict? Yeah, I think I think a lot of people are going to think that, right? right. I, th- I really think that's something that a lot of people are taking into consideration here. And it's only human, I think, to 
consider those things. But <coughs> I go back to the famous, what made John Adams so famous, right? He defended the British, right? And it wasn't just that he defended the British. Mm. It's that they were then acquitted of those charges. In a very similar situation as to what we're talking about in terms of the potential for public issues, right? There could have been right. rioting, there could have been looting, there could have been all sorts of things. This is this is a time-honored tradition when it comes to um, things that the population writ large doesn't like. Is it right? No. But that's the reality of the situation. So I agree with you that, you know, how many of them are going to do that? On the other hand, in the balance of that is an 18-year-old's life. Now, he took the life of, what, two individuals? Three? Two individuals shot yep. a third. Well. And that third testified yep. in this trial. Mm -hmm. Which, by the way, was the dumbest thing that the prosecution could have done, apparently. Because, well, yeah, man, did he tear apart their own theory of this case. Because once he shot Gage Grosskreutz, according to the theory that the prosecution presented to us at the end of the trial in closing arguments, it was a gun-on-gun -gun fight. <laughs> so wait, you're supposed to allow the guy to shoot you first before you shoot him. Well, mm. so if, if I remember right, that was the one where uh, <clears throat> Gage points the gun at Rittenhouse. Rittenhouse points the gun back at him. The guy then lowers his gun. No. Rittenhouse lowers. So he, so I get where you're going, but mm -hmm. the second part's not true. Because as soon as um, he, Rittenhouse sees the gun, he shoots uh -huh. and um, blows his arm. It blows the blows the uh, oh, okay. guy's arm almost clean off, mm. and so he's he's rendered useless with his gun at that point. But but isn't this the guy that also tried to, or is that Rosenbaum that, that tried to take the gun from him? Rosenbaum, okay. and and, okay. and Grosskreutz they they allege that he was lunging to try to get the the gun as get well, gun. but yeah. it doesn't matter because. The prosecution tried to is trying to sell this uh, this concept, right? That you don't have a right to defend yourself how you choose to defend yourself. It's only how they want to see it do you get to defend yourself. No. If you have fear of great bodily harm or death, you get to defend yourself how you see fit. That's just how it works. There is no room it, other than for political purposes for this trial to have ever gone down ever under Wisconsin statute. There is no, you must retreat first. There is none of that in the Wisconsin statute. None of it. And that's what the judge read yesterday. And, and none of that, none of that existed within what he, what he read on those counts. So it, here's the other thing too, but is that's that what the prosecution um, argues. Right, right. That he didn't retreat. That he didn't do this. He, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter why he was there. Right. The only, right. the only part that matters is the immediate part before and the immediate part after. That's it. Right. It's a snapshot it, in time. 
The rest of what happened that night doesn't matter. It's only what happened in that specific moment of the the specific charge in front of them. That's it. Right. And the other thing about it is that um, you you only have a split second to to decide whether or not you're going to shoot or not shoot. And that split second can can mean life or death, and and it's like, how how do you expect a a seventeen year old kid at the time? How do you expect how do you expect anybody put anybody, anybody in anybody. put you put in, yourself in that position? How do like, you react? You have no idea. It's the same concept of these morons who think that um that you know police shootings are always wrong, right? Put them in the shoe of the police officers. And make that split second decision as to whether or not that person's going to shoot you and see what you do. And every time that that happens with a journalist, they come away going, uh oh, I just shot somebody that I wasn't supposed to shoot. Well, you thought they had a handgun, right? Well, yeah. Okay, there you go. Now you know what it's like to have to make that decision in our shoes. In a split second, has that person got a gun or do they have something else in their hand? And it's your life or theirs. And oh, by the way, don't shoot them in the uh, leg um, because you could easily miss and hurt somebody else. You go center mass because it is the biggest mass that you can aim for and have the least potential damage for other individuals. But all of that notwithstanding, Pat, this for me is a great glimpse into the American justice system at work. That assistant DA and the other assistant DA on this trial are incompetent morons. And they're trying cases all day, every day. That's why it's important to pay attention to your local, you know, attorney general or your um, district attorney race. It is vitally important for you to pay attention to that because he's the one or she's the one. Yes, there's only two genders. He or she is the only one that. Did you ever raise that with President Trump? You know, I didn't have the opportunity to raise it. I was sort of like shocked. And then I didn't speak to him for some time after that. But it was at that point that I realized that I would have to just get out there myself and say things that clearly were going to be contradictory. I'm not totally sure of what the the president was referring to. That it was much worse than we're saying it was, that it's not going to go away tomorrow. It's not going to disappear like magic. Because, you know, this virus is going... <clears throat> you see the world he lives in, Matt? Uh, delusional? We've been saying for the longest time that our Lord, Savior, President, Dr. Anthony Fauci, was all about what? Fear and control. Well, and, and also himself. That was all three of them rolled into one, mm-hmm. one package. And he said the not so quiet part completely out loud. Screw your individual freedom. It's all about the collective society. Now, I want to bring this back to the world of sports 
because, Pat, there was a college football game that didn't happen this weekend. Did you hear about this? No, actually, I didn't. Well, you might have been wondering, why didn't you see USC playing this weekend? Uh, uh, because what? the University of California, Berkeley, Golden Bears had 44 players test positive for COVID. Uh, okay. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. What is the percentage of vaccination for the University of California at Berkeley Golden Bear football program? I actually don't know what their policy is, but I'm assuming it's not good. That's not their policy. The percentage of vaccination. Oh, the percent. Yeah. yeah. 99%. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That doesn't surprise me. <clears throat> 44 of one of those moments in American history that it could set a major precedence in terms of how these kinds of cases are tried going forward. Not necessarily just in Wisconsin, but nationwide, right? Because the whole nation is watching this tri- this trial. Mm-hmm. And when you have something like this, it's, it's really an important to get this right and because because if we get this wrong if we screw this up and an innocent kid goes to jail what happens to all other like trials in the country going forward are we about justice or are we about social justice and i think that's what this trial comes down to right yeah, and I mean, you take a look at what's going on on Twitter, like black mm-hmm. employees saying they need the day off. There was no. This has nothing to do involved. about race, right? This has nothing to it do was with race. A white dude who shot three other white dudes, right, during a riot involving BLM. Fine, get it. But race had nothing to do with this at all, in any way, shape, or form. And I want to get into one thing that you said uh, in just a moment. Pat, you brought up something that I wanted to get back into, and this is this concept of doing what was right and doing justice over political or social justice, right? Right. And, and I guess my since this is a truth or fiction Tuesday, um, my question to you in return to that is, how do you know what's right? And are we judging something that we don't have any business judging, right? That's a fair question. How do we know what's right? Because in our justice system, it's the 12 jurors and that judge that get that determination. You and I don't. You're right. We don't. We don't. And and I have no say of what happens in the outcome of this trial. And that, 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 here's the thing. That doesn't mean I have to agree or disagree with it. Right. Um, I mean, that happens all the time because you can agree right. or disagree with a Supreme Court ruling or or whatever. Right. Or the justification for it. But that now, would be. But my, my ruling would be in the court in the realm of the court of public opinion. Right. Mm. Right. I understand that. But again, who's to say what's right in this case? Um, that's my overall point. I don't know that you can 
know that answer, that any of us can know what's right here. Because the reality of the situation is that no matter what you think of the case, no matter what you think of the prosecution proving this case or not, this is a messed up situation from start to finish. Right. And so I look at it from that perspective. The only people that know what is right are going to be the 12 jurors who make that decision, the judge who um, executes that decision, and then potentially anybody on appeal, right? Any of the judges on appeal, potentially. Now, if he gets acquitted, okay. If that mistrial with prejudice happens, okay. That's the determination of what was right in this case. And while I understand the court of public opinion, hell, we just got done giving our opinions, right? Right. I don't think that we have a right to make a determination of what's right or wrong. Now, I will say this. The only thing that I can make a determination of what is right or wrong here is getting knowledge of what the jury made its decision on. If they made their decision, and this is to your point, justice versus social justice, if they make their decision based off of social justice or some concept of I have to do what's right by the mob, that's wrong. If no matter what the verdict is, it came to them because of conscientious deliberation because of an understanding of the instructions given to them, if it came of their own free thought and free will, free from outside interference, that's right. How will we ever know that? I don't know. Depends on whether or not these individuals decide to make some sort of public statement. Which, generally speaking, they, they don't, I feel like. Not right away. And I feel like they won't in this case. I mean, if I were a juror, I would shut up, no, regardless of what I did or didn't decide, mm -hmm. right? And in a trial like this, it's so hard to say that outside pressure, one way or the other, won't won't be a factor. But that, for me, makes this verdict, no matter which way it goes, wrong. Because... You must be able to critically think through these things, putting aside emotion. It's why facts don't care about your feelings, and that concept matters so much, especially in the court of law. What are the facts? What did the prosecution tell us happened? What did the defense tell us happened? And what does the video tell us happened? What do we, how do we interpret all of these things within the statute and the instructions given to us? That's the only thing that should matter. Will the foreman, will the people in the room agree on that? We don't know. We will never know. But that's the only thing I can say that would be right or wrong in this case. Now, if we came to a verdict one way or the other based off of some sense of social justice or, you know, personal situation, then we have a different story on our hands. Yeah, we have that wrong. But I don't know that you'll ever know that. And that's the imperfection of our justice system, but it's always going to be there. I don't know how you necessarily eliminate human emotion from the, the equation. 
I don't know how you do it. Now, the attempts to limit their access to social media and conversation and television and this, that, or the other thing, I get it. But how do you avoid hearing about it in the grocery store or you know, through at the drive-thru or this or that or going to pick up dry cleaning or whatever, right? How do you avoid hear, overhearing a conversation about the trial? That's why I think sequestration was would have been the right thing to do here. And this is the second time that we've seen this happen in, what, the last year or so? I mean, we should have saw this with the uh, Derek Chauvin case. Yeah. Um, and we didn't, and because that jury definitely should have been sequestered. I think this one probably should have been, too. Um, but, but, again, yeah, both sides agreed to it. So what are you going to do on that? But I, I just wanted to kind of, on that truth or fiction side of things, is it true that what matters is what's right? Yes. But who are we to make that determination? The only the only determination that we can make is based off of the information that the jury gives us as to how they deliberated. Will they ever tell us that? I don't know. And how often have we heard about those deliberations in other trials? And people see those deliberations differently, even though they're in the same room. And here's the thing. I don't know that they should. I don't know that yeah. they should make that all that publicly known because here's the thing. At, at the same time, if I'm a jury in a high profile case like this, I, I want to protect myself and my family. If I give any inclination one way or another, I mean, that could put my life in jeopardy, especially in today's day and age and, and the life of my family, depending on how this ruling goes. And just because I feel like at the end of the day, no matter what happens, this is a powder keg ready to blow. Um, and, and but you know what? Looking back at history, I, I think you could make this case about a lot of different trials that have happened in this country, and nothing happened. So I don't know if anything will. It's just the in the wake of all the riots of last summer, and the fact that this happened during one of those riots, it it makes me question what what's going to happen to anyone involved with this case, depending on how this goes. Whoa, didn't see that buzzing noise coming. Did I, I did not see that happening. No, wow, that came by fast. Okay, producer at Real Ron Phillips. No. <laughs> um, but yeah, it is time for us apparently to play the game sweeping across the Mojo 50 Radio Nation, which, by the way, you can listen to the show on Mojo 50 Radio at 5 p.m. Eastern Time every Monday through Friday. Otherwise, the podcast and the video version of the show drop at noon Eastern Time wherever you find your podcast, and of course, on our Rumble page, rumble.com backslash critical thinking. Again, that's rumble.com backslash critical thinking. All right, are you ready for today's headline? About as ready as the prosecution was to hold an AR-15. So not ready. Okay. But anyway, I'm going to give you the headline regardless. Okay. Kamala Harris is extremely likable and good at her job. Announced Asaki for no apparent reason whatsoever. Kamala Harris is okay. extremely likable and good at her job. Announced Asaki for no apparent reason whatsoever. Now, while you're thinking about that headline, may I uh, let people know? You know, you see this Tumblr that I that has our old logo. We'll we'll get a, an updated one uh, with the new one soon. Um, you see these things? You can buy them. It says facts, faith, freedom, and free markets on them. Right. You can find these over at our friends at Romika Designs. That's R-O-M-I-K-A, RomikaDesigns.com. Search critical thinking. You'll find it. 
And of course, if you use the promo code critical thinking at checkout, I believe you can get 10% off of your purchase. Just saying. So again, visit our friends at Romika Designs, support the show, support Romika Designs, amazing stuff. And if you don't want to do that, you can get some ornaments. You could get all sorts of really great etched goods. Um, I've got a real estate sign that I use for closings and things like that. So um, yeah, romikadesigns.com. That's R-O-M-I-K-A, romikadesigns.com. And then find your critical thinking Tumblr. Become a, a real fan of critical thinking. All right, Pat, do you need the headline one more time? One more time. Kamala Harris is extremely likable and good at her job, announces Saki for no apparent reason whatsoever. <laughs> it, I have a hard time with this one because didn't, didn't Jen Saki come to her defense fairly recently in real life? Um, I'm going to go with the B because I think this is making fun of that moment. Mm -hmm. I'm going to throw a flag on myself on this one. Okay. I shouldn't have chosen this one. Why? Well, it's not fair for your alter. Your alter ego is Jen Saki. So I'm assuming you would know whether this is true or not. No, 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 no. Saki is Pat. Pat is Saki. No, 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 no. And no, I, Jen Saki and I have no relation whatsoever. You're both gingers. You're automatically related. Yeah. Do you know how many other people are gingers in the world? Am I connected to all of them? Yes. Six (laughs) degrees of Jen Saki. (laughs) So you're saying like, we're like, like all gingers are one collective hive mind. Is that what you're saying? Yes, one collective soulless hive mind. <laughs> okay, well then that that means I'm I'm connected to some other famous redheads then. So, correct. It's fine. But the most famous of all is Gensaki. No, 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 no. But you are correct, by the way. You've given us a hundred dollars of at real Ron Phillips's money, so thank you You're for welcome. that. As the story says, uh, in a surprise press conference in D.C. today, Press Secretary Jen Psaki, completely out of the blue and for no apparent reason, announced that Kamala Harris is extremely likable and very good at her job and everything is just fine. Quote, I am proud to announce to you today that Vice President Harris is not unlikable in any way. She's also not terrible at her job, said Psaki. That's all I really came up here to say. She also has a great relationship with President Biden. Oh, they laugh and talk for hours. I just wanted to take this time to announce that she's doing important work and is in no way doing a subpar job, and everyone loves her. Isn't that great? Some anonymous sources within the White House are expressing concern that VP Harris's approval numbers are falling at a rapid pace and are on track to collapse in on themselves like a dying star within days. Quote, Such concerns are unfounded, and today's announcement is completely unrelated to that anyway, said Saki. I just felt compelled to come up here and give this unsolicited announcement about what a great job VP Harris is doing, and it was in no way prompted by VP Harris after cornering me in the bathroom and screaming at me to get her poll numbers up. Nothing like that happened at all, unquote. Several hands in the press pool shot up after Saki later went on to announce that Biden is still very much alive. (laughs) Yes, Mr. Panoni. 
Saki's uh, alter ego. No, get this, get this through your head. I am not Jen Saki. Hashtag Patasaki. My question here is: Didn't Jen Saki um, actually do this? Kind of. Isn't sorta. this actually a true story? She kind of sort of did that, right? With that tweet yeah. this weekend. Like, what, what? What's going on here? Yeah. So this is actually kind of a true story. Not necessarily the way the Babylon Bee tells it, but mm-hmm. there's some truth here. As all all great satires are in some truth, right? Mm-hmm. You are correct. You are correct. Now, I do have a question for you as we go into Truth or Fiction Tuesday here, Pat. Okay. <clears throat> truth or Fiction... Um, Collecting information on people that live in your school district for the purposes of retaliation is wrong. Um, ooh, see, I can, I can, I can see where this could go either way. But I'm going to go with truth. And here's here's why I'm going to say that. Was it warranted? Did you actually have proper authority to get that information to begin with? Because if you didn't, then it's unlawful. If you did, well, you probably wouldn't be the one getting that information in the first place. That would be the police. Right. Good call because um, <clears throat> I bring to you the Scottsdale, Arizona Unified School District. Police have launched an investigation in claims that an Arizona school board president kept a dossier on some outspoken parents who opposed mask mandates and critical race theory. Scottsdale Police Department said Saturday it was aware of the allegations leveled against Scottsdale Unified School District President Jan Michael Greenberg. Quote, we are conducting an, conducting an investigation into the matter and will report our findings once it is complete, Leaf said in a brief statement. Now, Pat, how did how did the Scottsdale Police Department know about this? Do you think? How 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 did they find this out? Something gotta be leaked somewhere. <clears throat> Just wait, because these people are the best and brightest, the best, the best and brightest of all of us, right? Right. Well, the allegations came to light after Superintendent Scott Menzel revealed Friday that Greenberg, the president, right, of the uh, school district, who is a business executive and attorney, accidentally shared a Google Drive folder to certain parents. The private dossier, which included information on divorce decrees, social security numbers, and property records, was allegedly created by Greenberg's father, Mark Greenberg. The younger Greenberg allegedly sent a link to the Google Drive to parent Kim Stafford by mistake last week. Stafford noticed the link in a screenshot attached to Greenberg's email and quickly sent it around to other parents, according to the Daily Caller. The folder contained information on nearly 50 parents, including photos and personal finances. 
folders including included in the drive were labeled SUSD wackos, anti-mask lunatics, and press conference psychos. What? Are you kidding me? Now, we're not talking about issues of something happening with, you know, 18-year-olds creating a drive like this, right? I could see a high school kid doing that, right? Right. These are the people that are supposed, supposedly, we have no, no bearing on making sure that we verify that we're getting a good education for our children, right? These are the people we are entrusting our kids to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nothing's wrong. Everything is great. Oh, and then by the way, Pat, I present to you um, this truth or fiction. Um, truth or fiction. Our entire academic system needs to be blown up. You know, being that my wife is a teacher, and she's probably going to kill me for saying this, but I'm going to say truth. I'm going to agree with you, and I present to you exhibits one, two, and three from the prosecution. Oh, no. Oh, no. So much for that question. Um, I use the term minor attracted person or MAP uh, in the title and throughout the book for multiple reasons. Um, First of all, because I think it's important to use terminology for groups that members of that group want others to use for them. Um, And MAP advocacy groups like Before You Act um, have advocated for use of the term MAP. Um, They've advocated for it primarily because it's less stigmatizing than other terms like pedophile. Uh, A lot of people, when they hear the term pedophile, they automatically assume that it means a sex offender. Uh, And that isn't true, and it leads to a lot of misconceptions about attractions toward minors. Um, I've definitely heard the idea that you brought up, though, that the use of the term minor attracted person suggests that it's okay to be attracted to children. Uh, But using a term that communicates who someone is attracted to doesn't indicate anything about the morality of that attraction. Say what? Uh Uh-huh. Now... What you need to know is that this is a professor at Old Dominion University in Virginia. Virginia apparently is for all lovers. Say what? Well, I have exhibit two if you're ready. Well, first off, go ahead. um, I hear you about the use of this term. Um, you know, me making it okay, Pat. But that doesn't mean that I'm saying that. Wait, what? What? Here's part two. And non-offending maps, by definition, do not abuse children, so their behaviors are moral. Um, but they're still being subjected to this same idea that they're bad people. What? So if you um. <clears throat> want to murder people and you don't act on that, you're still a moral person. Yeah, no. Did you say there's a third part to this? Yeah, you want exhibit three? 
I'm I'm scared. But I'm going to say it's you're speaking two different languages yeah, at this point with each other. And we've been talking about that forever mm-hmm. on this show. Mm-hmm. But as Star Parker points out, last November, right after the election, Pew Research did a poll. 80% of the Biden voters and 77% of Trump voters, so almost exactly the same, right, agreed with this statement about a voter of the other party. Quote, not only do we have different priorities when it comes to politics, but we fundamentally disagree about core American values. Now, as a critical thinker, would I would I agree with that statement? Yes. And as she points out, there's no more room for compromise about your differences of opinion regarding those accepting or those rejecting biblical traditional values regarding marriage, family, and sex than there was about slavery. Right? Right. Because if if you reject the traditional marriage, family, sex thing, right? Mm -hmm. Are you on the same side of rejecting or protecting the sin of slavery? Would be the question. I don't I'm not saying that that's the decision that you would have made back then because you're looking through today's lens and nobody would believe that slavery was a good thing back then, right? Nobody right. nobody today would take their values today and say I would be pro slavery. Nobody would. Well, I should say nobody. Nobody sane would. There are some very insane people who might say that, right? Right. But would How do you know, and this is the ultimate critical thinking question, how do you know that you would have been anti-slavery back in 1850 or 1860? How do you know it? You don't. Not really. Um, I mean, I I think the best guess you could make is like, you know, you and I are both from northern states, so there's a a good chance that we would have if, if we were from the same place. Yeah. Yeah, I think I I really really do think that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but my question, because at that time, would that not have been a progressive value, right? At the time, sure. And the problem with putting today's thinking to yesterday's thought is. What was progressive then is now conservative, right? Right. So if you hold those conservative values today, could you take those values, put them in to the time frame that we are speaking about and still hold those viewpoints? Maybe. And there's a reason you ask that question, and and I don't necessarily know the answer. But I, I feel like you have to ask that question of yourself because what that does is it makes you understand whether or not you actually believe what you're saying you believe in. Would you actually stand up for this if this was an unpopular opinion? And we, we see this today. Look at all of the progressiveness in the church, right? Look at mm-hmm. all of how we see society and what we allow to happen in our society And it is sick. No matter where it comes from in our society, it's why I say the church is sick. 
we have the Catholic Church attempting to embrace LGBTQ people, not because they want them to be members of the Church of the Roman Catholic Church, right? Not because that they believe that um, we should embrace the sinner, not the sin, but that because it provides them a place in which now they're going to have a community that will buttress and be a buffer against these claims of pedophilia and pederasty within the diocese, right? Because if 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 the uh, priest that happens to be closeted, right, has a community of LGBTQ alphabet soup individuals, maybe they can push their acts onto like-minded individuals and then, and then they don't have to worry about the pedophilia anymore. Doesn't exist. There is no middle. Well, what about libertarians? There are left-leaning libertarians and right-leaning libertarians. <clears throat> there is a battle within the libertarian party for that. They're not center. The challenge today is for Americans to choose who they are and what kind of country they want for you or not. To put it another way, are we at a cultural civil war? And if you don't yeah. choose to recognize that, if you don't want to recognize that, you're going to get run over in that cultural civil war. And that's what we've been trying to wake people up to. In the, you know, we talked about the path of righteous resistance, which is really for us a liberty mindset. If you cannot fix that in your brain and in your actions, in how you handle yourself, and thus also serve as an example for others, if you can't do that, you're going to get run over. Your idea of that free society that was America is dead. And that's what we talk about. Rooting yourself in God, um, defining your principles, you know, doing all of those things, right, Pat? Being able to be prepared Enduring to the end, forming fellowships, not alliances. All of those types of things are meant to tell you that you have to fight. And the first fight is within yourself to know whether or not you believe what you say you believe. That's in God. That will be in freedom for real. And with that, Pat, your final thoughts. Don't get lost where you are, no means no, and the mental pathways say that Jen Saki says. Don't get lost where you are, no means no, and I am not a pap. Pat is not Saki. Saki attractive person? Please be smart, be safe, be kind. As always, Matthew 547. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.